Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 41. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Good evening. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you are worshiping with us tonight. We are finishing up our series in the book of Jonah, which we have been going through in June and July. And the reason that we're going through Jonah is that we are preparing our hearts for mission. We believe that this fall, uh, and all the time really, but in a concerted way, this fall, God has called us to be on mission in really sharing our faith through demonstration and declaration of the gospel. But before we do that, we want to prepare our hearts. So that's why we have been going through Jonah. Uh, To give you a sneak peek of August, in August we are going to prepare our hands and feet to be on mission. We are going to talk about the skills of someone who is on mission. We're going to talk about why we do biblical community. Um, And so we are going to start that next week. And then for five weeks, uh, really six weeks, August and then Labor Day weekend, we will be talking about how to prepare our hands and our feet for mission. And then this fall, we are doing an evangelistic series through Encounters with Jesus, where we're taking a look at people's encounters with Jesus in the Gospels. And we are encouraging people to invite their friends to church to come and have an encounter with Jesus as well. So that is where we find ourselves. Uh, Tonight we are finishing up Jonah. We have covered every verse in the book of Jonah, but there's a little bit more to wrap up. Perhaps if you grew up in the church, you've heard or at least thought things like this. As we hear the story of the Old Testament heroes, we may have learned truisms like have courage like David or have faith like Daniel or be strong and courageous like Joshua. While those aren't bad applications here at Grace, we want to make sure we're painting a fuller picture of who God is and what his word says as we teach our kids. And you're going to hear more about that from our children's coordinator at the end of the service. But if you've heard any of the sermons in this uh, Jonah series, you know that the application as we wrap up this series is not be like Jonah. That's not the application that we're looking for when we look at Jonah. In Jonah, we see someone that is told by God what to do, and he knows the word of God, and he does the opposite. I'm willing to bet, though, as we look at Jonah and we see him not obey God, have a bad attitude about God saving some that are not Jewish, that are his enemies, as we see him uh, go in the opposite direction and then God use him in a powerful way after he finally obeys and then he pouts about it. As we see these things in Jonah, I'm willing to bet for a couple of reasons that um, sometimes you've seen yourself. And I'm willing to bet that because there's times when I've seen my own heart as we go through Jonah, but also the feedback that the pastors and preachers have been getting as we go through Jonah. The biggest feedback we've gotten is, I'm so glad we're doing this series, but man, it hurts. (laughs) Because we're seeing ourselves in Jonah far too often and far more than we want to admit. If you feel defeated because you would love to 
point out how dumb or disobedient or even racist Jonah is, but you see some of your own traits or, or some of his traits in you, I want to offer you a word of encouragement tonight. While we have covered every verse in Jonah, we don't have a fully realized understanding of how it fits the larger biblical narrative. We've consulted commentators. We've uh, in, consulted Bible studies. We've studied it together. We've prayed through it. We've had devotionals through it. We've preached through it for eight weeks, but we still don't have a full understanding. There's one commentary and one commentator on Jonah that we have not fully consulted, and it's that's, that's the person and Jesus. Jesus gives us a commentary on Jonah. As Jeff just read for us tonight in Matthew 12, Jesus has something to say about Jonah, and that's what we are going to look into tonight. Would you pray with me and for me as we get started? Uh, God, thank you for this opportunity that we have to look into your word. We pray that you would speak through your word. We believe that you have something to say to us tonight. That's why we are here. Father, whether we come to church every week or whether this is our first time in a church, even if we don't really know why we're here, God, us being here communicates we want to hear something. God, we pray that you would speak We pray that you would speak clearly to each one tonight. God, I don't have the ability to speak clearly to each one in this room, but you do. So I pray that you and your word, your spirit would speak clearly here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Matthew 12, we just heard Jeff read it for us. We see the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious Jews of the time, come to Jesus and ask for a sign. They say, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. They wanted him to prove that he was God by doing some kind of sign, some kind of miracle, some kind of amazing happening that would show that he was who he claimed to be. But he answered them in verse 39 of Matthew 12, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Here Jesus is saying something about who Jonah is. He's saying something about the book of Jonah, and he's connecting his life to Jonah in some way. So we're going to try to unpack what he may mean by that. First, we're going to go back to Jonah and look at some things that happen in Jonah, and we're going to see that just like every other uh, chapter in Scripture, every other book of the Bible, there are characters in the Bible. There are even some that have heroic spirit-led behavior. But at the end of the day, really, Jesus is the main character, and he is the one that is all about. So how do we see this in the book of Jonah? And then we will uh, fully unpack what Jesus is saying here. One thing that he is saying is that Jesus obeyed where Jonah did not. Jonah disobeyed God. He saw who God was accurately. Remember, we see these great um, outpourings of Jonah, especially when he's in the belly of the fish. He states accurately who God is. He's compassionate. He is abounding in steadfast love. He pours out grace and mercy. Jonah sees accurately who God is, but yet in chapter 1, we see that he does not obey. There are times when our theology is wrong or we don't know something about the character of God or what he's asking us to do, and so we don't obey. But unfortunately, if we're honest, there are other times that we see God clearly. We even see a picture of what he wants us to do, or he even speaks clearly about something he wants us to start doing or stop doing, and yet we disobey. 
Often we swallow the lie that knowledge equals obedience. That if we know the right things, that that equals glorifying God. But friends, that's just one step in the right direction of obeying God and walking in the Spirit. We see in Jonah someone who saw God accurately, was in the people of God, was given the word of the Lord as a prophet, and still, at the end of the day, had to choose to obey. Yet he goes in the opposite direction. So we see Jonah disobey. But in contrast, when the Father spoke, Jesus obeyed. In John chapter 4, we read, he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for the harvest. Jonah saw God accurately, but then disobeyed. Jesus knows the Father intimately, and he says, my very food, my very sustenance, my very daily bread is to do the will of the Father. And if you're familiar with this passage and other teachings in the Gospels, you know that this, the fields are white unto harvest. Jesus is saying, I am about seeing some come into the kingdom. I am about teaching about the kingdom, showing people what the kingdom is like, and then dying so that sinners may be in, welcomed into the kingdom. We see Jesus say that his very life and sustenance come from doing what the Father has sent him to do. So where Jonah disobeyed, Jesus obeyed. God gives Jonah a very similar mission to what he gives Jesus. Obviously, Jonah's not going to die for anyone's sin, but he is to go to these people that are not from his nation and tell them about who God is. And at first, he disobeys. Jesus does the opposite. He does the will of the Father. It's his very sustenance. Next, we see that Jonah hated his enemies. Jonah hated the Ninevites because they were violent towards the Jewish people. They were his enemies, and he hated them for that. But then we see Jesus love his enemies. Jesus loved his enemies he reclined with and washed the disciples' feet. Even knowing that one would outright betray him and hand him over to his enemies and knowing that when he went to the cross, some would run in the opposite direction and deny that they ever knew him in the first place. Yet Jesus washes their feet. Jesus reclines and invites them to recline at his table just as a king would with honored guests. And then he tells us in Matthew 5:44 to love and pray for our enemies as well. Jonah hated his enemies and Jesus loved his enemies and taught us to do the same. Next, we see that Jonah was troubled by the storm. We didn't spend enough time on this, admittedly, during this series, but there's this amazing section where Jonah is on the boat, and a storm comes up, and the Gentile sailors that are on the boat, they start asking, what did you do? Is God angry with us? Pray to your God and make this stop. And Jonah is dismayed in that moment. He says, throw me in. But we see that the, the sailors that are on the boat, they actually start worshiping God. They start doing the right thing where Jonah 
is not. Jonah was troubled by the storm. He saw it for the chaos and the judgment that it was. He saw he had no control over it, but Jesus is God of the storm. There's a scene where Jesus is on a boat and a storm comes up and the disciples wake him and he is able to calm the storm and speak the chaos into peace and order with the word of his lips. In this, we see the great power of Jesus over the physical reality. Next, we see that Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish. If we look at Matthew 12, verse 40, Jesus goes on to say, Just as Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish, I will spend three days in the ground. Jesus is making a comparison here. He's saying that just as Jonah endured judgment in the belly of a fish, I, Jesus, though I am pure, though I am God, though I always do the will of the Father, I will receive judgment against sin for you and be put in the ground. Jonah, when he was in the belly of the fish, thought that he was forsaken by God. But it was actually part of God's deliverance of him. Because that fish spit him out and then God called him again in chapter 3 to go and do what I've called you to do. Jonah thought he was forsaken, but Jesus was forsaken on that moment on the cross by the Father. Next, we see that Jonah loved his comfort. It was a big issue. We talked about this throughout this series, that Jonah loved comfort. It was uncomfortable for the Ninevites to be saved. He didn't want to go to the Ninevites because he knew that God was compassionate and he would save them. And he didn't want to share the kingdom with Ninevites because it was uncomfortable, it was unsafe, and they were violent. Jonah loved his comfort. We even see this kind of hilarious story at the end where God provides a plant to give shade over Jonah and then it dies and Jonah is angry. He's lost his comfort. He's lost his shade. He doesn't want to be uncomfortable. But Jesus sought joy over comfort. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus knew why he came. Jesus knew the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him was doing the will of the Father even unto death. Jesus gave up comfort on our behalf. Jesus gave up what was rightfully his so that you could be a part of the kingdom. Jesus, who deserved to sit on an earthly throne, put that aside for later to endure the cross so that we might be invited into the kingdom. Jonah loved comfort, but Jesus sought joy over comfort. Next, we see that Jonah struggled with nationalism. This was a a big part of what Jonah was struggling with. He thought that the Jews were God's chosen people, which they were, but from the beginning, 
God had a plan of redeeming some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, and Jonah didn't like it. He didn't want to share in the kingdom. He didn't want to share in the kingdom with people that didn't previously know God or were his enemies. He wanted to stay the Jewish people as the people of God and not see others come in. Jonah struggled with nationalism. Jonah struggled with seeing God save some from another ethnicity, but Jesus came for the nations. We're going to see more about that in just a moment as we go back to Matthew chapter 12. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Throughout the course of Jonah, we saw that Jonah lived according to the flesh. Whether we're talking about comfort or fear or being afraid that the Ninevites would physically harm him, he lived according to the flesh. He lived according to his emotions. He lived according to the flesh as opposed to the spirit. Romans 5, 12, and 14 tells us why this is. Look with me at Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgressions of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Here we are told why Jonah sins and why we do too. Here we learn why our natural state is living according to the flesh. Here we learn why our natural state is hostility towards God, while at the same time being dead or numb in anything the Spirit tries to do. Because we are ancestors of Adam. Jonah was an ancestor of Adam. We are an ancestor of Adam. Our ancient ancestor who lived according to the flesh instead of living according to the kingdom and the word of God. And it says here that because of one man's sin, sin came into the world. So our natural state is transgressors, is sinners, is those who live according to the flesh, are those that live for the kingdom of man instead of the kingdom of God. That is our natural state. That's what we are born into. Jonah lived according to the flesh, but Jesus had to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus always did the will of the Father. Jesus always lived for the kingdom. Jesus always lived according to the Spirit. Jesus always overcame the flesh. Jesus always overcame temptation. Jesus always put aside what was comfortable for what was most joyful according to the kingdom of God. Look with me at the next verse in Romans 5, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. Praise God. 
Look down with me at verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Because Jesus always did the will of the Father and always lived righteously, we have the opportunity to be adopted into a new family, grafted into a new bloodline, the bloodline of the Spirit, the bloodline of Christ, the bloodline of the Heavenly Father and called citizens of the kingdom of God. Our natural state is to be born into sin, but Jesus comes and gives us an opportunity to be adopted into a new family. And when the Father looks at us, he can say, they're righteous. Because Jesus was righteous on our behalf. Because Jesus was forsaken three days in the ground on our behalf. Jesus had to fulfill all righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it this way. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Colossians 3 verse 3 says that we are hidden with Christ in God. Because Christ was righteous, because Christ always did the will of the Father, and because Christ died in our place, we can be grafted in, adopted in to this new family of God. The Jews have a holiday called Yom Kippur. It's a day of atonement that they recognize And they have a beautiful way of celebrating in the afternoon on Yom Kippur. They have multiple services throughout the day. But in the afternoon service, they read the entire book of Jonah. The reason is that they want to spend some time on a day celebrating their atonement. They want to spend the day recognizing that in our sin, we are in the belly of the whale that we are in a place of darkness and that we are in a place of mystery, of chaos. They also repent of the uh, mentality of presumption, of thinking that they know the mysteries of God because Jonah thinks he knows the mysteries of God. They repent on this day in this afternoon service of presuming they know the mysteries of God. And then they are sent out with a benediction to go out in peaceful prayer instead of anger towards the nations around them and to prepare their heart for the evening service when they celebrate the atoning sacrifice of the Lamb. This is a good and beautiful way to spend an afternoon. But it's incomplete. If we just lament our sin, if we just lament our fallen state, if we just lament that sometimes our life is mysterious or that God's will is mysterious or presume that we know the things of God, if we just lament that, then we have no hope. We must go a step further and see that Jesus was the better Jonah. So far, in summary, we have learned that Jesus is the better Jonah because he suffered and died for us. We learned that Jesus is the better Jonah because he rose again. We learned that Jesus is the better Jonah because he obeyed the Father. But there's one more thing. Look with me at Matthew 12. We'll continue 
these words of Jesus as the Pharisees come to him and ask him for a sign. And he says, no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. And he says, just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, so Jesus would be three days in the ground. And then in verse 41, we read the words of Jesus. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is saying two things here. And if we miss it, we don't just miss the point of Jonah. We miss the kingdom of God. The first thing that Jesus is saying here is that it is a miracle that God used Jonah to save the Ninevites. And that it is a miracle that this queen of the south came from the ends of earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and then took that message back to her people. It's a miracle that lives were changed through the words of humans. But someone greater than them is here. There's someone greater than Jonah. There's someone greater than Solomon, the queen of the south. There's someone greater than the men of Nineveh. There's someone greater than you and me, and it's Jesus. Because of what he has done, he lived the life that you cannot. He died the death that you deserve. He rose from the grave to show that there is eternal life, and we can have union with God now and in eternity. So the first thing here Jesus is saying is that someone greater is here. And if we listen to him, we find salvation and life. And he is the one that holds the keys to the kingdom of God. And it's by no other name that we can be saved. The second thing that he is saying, and this is the Jason Blackley translation, If you Jews don't believe, there will be some from every tribe, tongue, and nation that will. He even says that I tell you, if these Jews are silent, at the end of time, the rocks will cry out praise to God. God is glorious and his kingdom is coming and Jesus is redeeming some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. Jonah had an attitude about it for all the reasons that we've just talked about. The message of Jonah and the message that God wants to communicate to us tonight is that Jesus is a good and great savior and Jesus came from some, for some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. And we can be about that where we can miss the kingdom of God. Jesus says, are you with me? Or will you continue in your ethnocentrism, your selfishness, thinking the world is about you, your racism, your anger, your hatred? Or will you be a part of what I'm doing? Is this what we want our lives to be a part of? Or do we want to continue building our small kingdoms of man? The kingdom is coming. And it has come. 
And life is too short and eternity is too long to spend our lives on anything else. Look with me back at Jonah chapter 4 verse 11, the very last verse in Jonah. As Jonah is pouting because his little branch has died and he has no shade. Look with me at verses 10 and 11 of Jonah chapter 4. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. God is saying to us, I am saving some in your city, in your world, in your workplace, in your school, in the building that you live, and on the campus of the University of Iowa, Why shouldn't I save some from every tribe, tongue, and nation? And he is inviting us to be a part of it. We need to choose today if we will continue to live for the kingdom of man or if we will choose to live for the kingdom of God. And when we stumble and when we fall and when we think we cannot do it, we need to look to Jesus who always did the will of the Father. The night that Jesus was arrested, he went to a garden called Gethsemane and he prayed to the point of shedding blood in his tears and said, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. It's too painful to be forsaken for you. If there's any other way, can't, we don't know what the father said to him in that moment, but can't you imagine the father saying something like, should I not pity Nineveh? Should I not save some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people? And where Jonah disobeyed and pouted, and where we far too often live for our own kingdom, Jesus rose up and went to the cross. Because he always did the will of the Father. And he believed that God was doing something amazing in our world. He knew that the kingdom coming was the most joyous thing that he could be a part of, even unto death. It was the joy set before him that he endured the cross and he scorned its shame. And now he is sitting down at the right hand of the Father and interceding for you and me as we live for the kingdom come right here, right now, in Iowa City, where we find ourselves. The focus of Jonah is not be like Jonah, clearly. It's a reminder to us to see what Christ did on our behalf. So have you been convicted by what God has said to you during this series? Jonah at so many points wallowed in his selfishness, wallowed in his shame. James Ankerm and I were talking about a couple of weeks ago that Jonah even ostracizes himself at so many times. He goes off and he sits away from what God is doing. But Jesus went where we deserve to go, to the cross. In Hebrews 13, we read 
Jesus suffered outside of the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Jesus was ostracized when you and I are the ones that deserve to die outside of the kingdom of God. As we look forward and as we prepare our hands and feet for mission, I believe that God wants to do a great work this fall and wants to save some in our community and save some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people represented at the University of Iowa. We need to prepare our hearts and ask ourselves, are we living for the kingdom of God? Or are we living for the kingdom of man? Let's take a moment before we move on with the rest of our night. We have some other things to do tonight, but before we do that, Let's just spend a moment and pray. Spend a moment and ask God what he would have you to do. Ask God for the encouragement that you need. Ask him for the conviction you need. Ask him for the direction and wisdom that you need to be a part of his kingdom. Spend a moment doing so, and then I will pray for us. Father, continue to speak through your spirit and your word and your people as we go out tonight and as we begin our week this week. God, we pray the worship of you and also the hearing from you would not stop in this room, but it would continue. God, we pray that we would be people of your word, we would be people of your kingdom, and that we would seek to do the will of the Father, and we would not build our own man-made kingdoms, but we would live for the kingdom of God. God, continue to equip our hearts and prepare it for mission. God, we pray that you would equip our hands and our feet as we move into August. God, unite our hearts in the purpose of seeing some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people come to know their Savior and receive the good news of the kingdom. The man can be made right with a holy God. I thank you for what you're doing among us, and we look forward to seeing what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen.